welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 43. This episode, we're going to be doing a year in review for Back in My Play for 2014, talking about some of the episodes and the games that were covered in the last year. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and I have a really big panel here for you this episode. And first off, I'm going to introduce Greg Seward, who uh, actually... You know, for time being a weird thing, I actually talked to him last night for next week's episode where we talked about Bare Knuckle 3. So he's hopefully still able to talk. Greg, how you doing? This is Inception. Yeah. This <laughs> is in our second level of podcasting Inception. Um, yeah. but I'm doing great. Awesome. It's awesome. We, get, we have another uh, great episode for you next week where Greg will be on, like I said, to talk about Bare Knuckle 3. It might not be... Uh, I'll be real. It's probably not the the best episode we've ever done. Uh, You know, I was a little tired, so it's still really good. And we get to talk about some awesome stuff at the end of the episode. Uh, One of his uh, co-hosts, or I guess partners on the Player One podcast is also joining us from Player One podcast.com. And I should mention for Greg, you can go to generation-16.com to uh, check out his video stuff. But the other person that I have on the line is Chris Johnson. CJ, how you doing? Good. You know, it may be 2015, but on this podcast, I can party like it's 1995. That that was a really good year. Um, it was. The, the late Super Nintendo games, and then you got the, the Sega Saturn uh, coming out with some uh, okay games. I don't know. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. You got, you got Panzer Dragoon, which I played for the first time last week, which is really great. Um, it's like Star Fox, guys. We're doing, we're doing a Panzer Dragoon episode, right? Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, totally. Um, and then uh, rounding out the cast for this week, uh, we couldn't do end of the year without the uh, always positive, always looking at me with this smiling grin on a Google Doc or on a Skype call. And that is Josh Hillier. Josh, how you doing? Should my long secret castle right. be forgot and never brought to mind? Nope, nope. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so we're going to drop Josh from the call. So this is going to be a three-person panel for the, the rest of the episode. Um, but this the show is going to be a little bit different this time. And uh, first off, you know, missed a couple couple weeks there with the holidays and stuff like that. And then uh, I had some lined up. Greg got Greg was super sick. So um, it's just good to have him back and, and talking with us today. But, um, you know, for for the next couple of weeks, we have some great stuff lined up for you. Uh, before I talk about that, uh, I just want to take this this time. And, uh, you know, again, say thank you to everyone that is supporting the podcast, uh, supporting back in my play, whether it be, you know, just subscribing on iTunes, sharing, uh, information about the podcast on things like Twitter and Facebook, jumping on that NeoGAF thread. And that's a little bit harder to get to now because it's in the community section of the NeoGAF and gaming. So uh, if you are on NeoGAF, if you can subscribe to that, you can kind of stay in the conversation with everything that's going on with new episodes. Um, again, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there that is supporting the show and in buying t-shirts. And at the end of the episode, we're actually going to be relaunching uh, a new uh, round of t-shirts. So if you want to get one of those, you'll be able to do that. And uh, now again, that comes from you know myself and from Josh, CJ and Greg, who have been on uh, a ton and uh, Peter Brown, you know, everyone that's been been coming on a lot. It's been uh, awesome to, to be able to do this. And uh, as you'll hear in a second, 2015 is going to be a really big year for the show, um, you know, with 
your support and with the support of you know people that take the time to come on the show, like the people I just mentioned and other people like Mike Micah and all the other fantastic people that have taken their time to to come on the show and to talk about old games. None of this would be possible without you, the listeners, and everyone else on there. And I will you know say like this is uh this is kind of a little bit of a you know patting on the back or a little bit of just a victory lap for to talk about this stuff but <laughs> i think it's uh, i think it's totally worth doing because uh it's like 60 episodes of the shows is pretty crazy to get to and hopefully we'll get to 100 by the end of 2015 so would you call that victory lap sort of like daytona usa-esque kind of like just drifting around um you know, I would probably go with, I'm more of like a Days of Thunder fan, mm-hmm. um, where mm-hmm. uh, Cole Trickle would be just driving his car right into uh, the guy that replaced him. I forget his name. That's okay. Yeah. That is right Russ Wheeler. Play. Come on. Russ, Russ Wheeler. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that guy didn't go on to do anything after that movie. So, um, he was, he was in, are you, is that a joke? No. <laughs> I don't know. He was that dude was in like Men in Tights and wasn't he in like the? He's in another movie. This is awkward. I don't know. It's some movie that Phil would know if he was here. I I don't want to do a Phil voice. I was going to try to do one, but that would be real (laughs) hard. So let's. uh, Hey. Yeah, let's 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 move on and. Again, mentioned that, uh, you know, there's so many ways that you can support the show, whether it be uh, T-shirts, you know, T-shirts that are are worn by, you know, great composers and uh, inventors like Hip Tanaka, uh, who was sporting a Back in My Play T-shirt at the uh, Digging in the Carts concert in Tokyo, Japan, just a couple weeks back, uh, which is pretty crazy. And I have the huge, I have to really thank uh, the the guys over at at 8-4, of course, uh, you know, John, Mark, and Hiroko, and JJ for for helping make that happen. Uh, that was the, the contact that was able to make that magic happen. So uh, thank you to them. And uh, of course, that is a uh, really, really cool stuff. So you can check out pictures of that by going to Digging in the Carts, uh, just search for it on Google, and you'll get the page and you can actually listen to the concert. They posted the whole thing on there. So if you want to listen to that, you can go do that. And here's some really cool Game Boy, uh, you know, remixes and and stuff like that. He has a really cool setup for doing all of his concerts. Um, And uh, shout out to Lloyd, by the way, for the design for that shirt, because everywhere I go where I'm wearing it, New York City, um, the Deep South, wherever else I might be, people love it. And Hiptanaka loves it. So it's just a really cool looking design um, that represents back in my play well. Uh, absolutely. And we will have uh, a new one that's going to be coming. I'm going to spoil it right now anyways. It's going to be okay. coming in a couple of weeks. So we have a new design coming out uh, with the Nintendo 64, the PlayStation 1, and the Sega Saturn mm. um, that's going to be coming out. I would probably say like by the end of January, hopefully, maybe uh, mid-February. So um, once that is done, we will be doing uh, shirts with that. So for all of you out there that you know grew up with more of that kind of stuff, you know, all the... 24 year olds i guess and 20 year olds out there uh, if you want something that more reflects what you grew up with that will be uh something that you can put on i'm serious um, the babies 
And finally, I just want to say for upcoming episodes, uh, I've recorded a bunch of stuff in advance. This is actually the last episode that I've recorded in this chunk. But um, I also, like I said, recorded that episode with Greg that will air next week. And then also an episode with uh, Jules uh, Watchem from Renegade Kid, um, developers of awesome games like uh, Mutant Muds and then uh, Zeo Drifters is their latest release. And I didn't even realize it, but also uh, Dementium the ward they actually uh worked on that and and made that that crazy ds first person horror game um and then even before that uh jules was working at iguana like on super nintendo genesis games and then n64 games like deep cuts like iggy's wrecking ball and uh (laughs) and games like that so uh he is definitely someone that i'm going to be having back on again because we talked for like an hour and a half and it just didn't feel like we had enough time to stop and really talk about anything specifically he has a ton of great stories um and just a really fascinating and and really great person to talk to so that will be coming the week after that and i promised before that there'll be episodes about star fox 64 mike micah has confirmed uh, today actually that he's going to be coming back and probably talk Talking about Bomberman and perhaps getting a uh, second guest that he's going to bring along with him to talk about some of this stuff. And uh, actually, I'm going to save the other stuff. I'm not going to mention the other stuff just yet because we got some uh, really cool stuff confirmed and uh, that will be coming in the next couple months. But with all that being said, uh, if you want more of this stuff, you want to make sure these episodes are getting produced. It's a great way to support the show also through patreon.com at PAT. E-R-O-N.com slash back in my play. And you can do the same thing for Generation 16 and for the Player One podcast. If you enjoy this content, it does take a lot of time to produce and get together, especially these these bigger episodes. Uh, that is a great way to do it. And, uh, you know, just like a buck an episode, you can even cap it at something like $2 per month. That will be my spiel. And that is where we're going to stop because we have uh, a lot of stuff to talk about for this episode. We're going to be doing a roundtable talking about our favorite episodes from the past year and then revisiting some of those and potentially having these guys talk about some of the episodes that they were not even on. So they'll be able to give their insight and perspectives into some of these games. So it'll be really cool to revisit some of these things and these topics. So uh, without further ado, we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to some fantastic music. Some really great music that I've made, uh, that I ripped for you, that we're going to have in this. I don't know what it is just yet, but I'm sure it's awesome. So stick around. We'll be right back with the big segment of the show. Thank you for sticking with us as we come into the next segment. We're going to be talking uh, about a lot of the games and the episodes that we had uh, in the last year on Back in My Play. 
first thing I want to mention, though, is that uh, I did a lot of episodes that were either interviews or, um, of course, CJ and Josh, we did the episode on The Wizard, which was a big fan favorite. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> uh, enjoyed that. And uh, I wanted to ask you, CJ, just now that you've been able to digest that movie after about, I guess it's six, it's been about five or six months now. Um, you know, what were your your final thoughts? Would you ever go back and, and do a rewatch of that movie again? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was, it was uh, interesting to watch, but I mean, come on, everybody knows the reason you went to see The Wizard is for that Super Mario Brothers three thing at the end, right? All right, I, just, I went. I went to listen to a prepubescent girl scream. He touched my breast. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's a big sell for Greg. Yep. Yeah. Don't, you wouldn't watch that movie again? I'd watch. I, yeah, I probably, I mean, maybe if it I came on cable or something. I, I do love that movie too. Um, came on cable. I know you are on DVD. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. So if you were just passive and someone just turned it on <clears throat> and you couldn't do anything about it, you would watch it. Is basically what you're saying. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, in, if they taped your eyes open, like that scene in Lost, <laughs> you would watch it. Yeah, okay. sure, but only if it only if it had subliminal messages that said Jacob loves you and all that stuff. Right, it's right. Like lost. But yeah. in the hell are we talking about? There are some <laughs> subliminal messages in the Wizard when you think about it, though. And I never really got over those messages, and that's why I still love Nintendo and own fourteen Amiibos. That's why Josh is oh, wearing? Sh- that's Jesus, why he's wearing a Josh. power glove right now. I am. Yeah. <sighs> it's, it's We're not talking nice. about Amiibos today. We're not talking about. Uh, Nintendo today. Dude, I was listening to the Player One podcast a couple weeks ago, and you know everybody was talking about amiibos, and I wanted to jump in so badly and talk about those things uh, because like everybody was like, I only have one or something like that, and I was looking at my army of them, just watching me um, safely. Well, I'm sure that's a that's a great reason reason to you know spend a hundred whatever you spent got like two hundred dollars on those my daughter likes them i'm actually going to post a video pretty soon of her um talking about each one a little bit and naming them so all right that's there's that josh whispering in the background what she's supposed to say yeah and don't don't get one of these wrong don't get it wrong each one is great because she's so pretty you're gonna embarrass me on the internet god do it again Great. Yeah, it was like 90 takes. Uh, so you didn't get dinner that night. It was a really weird thing. There goes your SAG card. All right. Yeah. This is getting super dark, and I like to keep it positive I'm a really great on the show. I, I, I really I, am. I'm sure, I'm sure you are, dude. I know. Yeah. And, you know, this is this is a little bit off topic, but I guess I don't. if you're cool talking about it on the show, you got number two on the way, right? I do. And yeah. that is official. You're going to name your next child the Zelda? I really am. Yes. Congratulations on the new baby. Thank you very much on the new Zelda. Uh, new Zelda. Yes. Zelda Conley Hillier will be her name. And Aww. next generation Zelda. Yeah. How about that? So I'm, I'm hoping that she won't be all pixelated. Jesus. All right. Uh, let's, a couple other things I wanted to uh, quickly mention is that uh, another thing that, well, I should say, I got a lot of, I asked on Twitter, like, what, what were your favorite episodes? And a lot of people also pointed to the SegaNet episode uh, because people miss the Dreamcast a lot, I guess. Um, and I don't blame them. It, the Dreamcast is a fantastic console that should be talked about as much as humanly possible. And um, if you want, you can always go and uh, play some Quake 3 on your Sega Dreamcast 
podcast via dial up or using your broadband uh, adapter if you'd like. Um, and again, like I mentioned before, I just want to thank, you know, a couple of people that uh, did come on to, to do interviews like uh, Mike Micah, who has been fantastic coming on the show. I think it was three or four times in the last year. Um, Steve Lynn, who's come on a bunch of times, uh, Greg Tavares, David D'Angelo and Kirk Collada, who have all, um, you know, taken time to, to come on the show and, and talk about great stuff, uh, whether it be old games or talking about what they've been working on uh, currently or in the past. So I will definitely be doing more of those down the road because I just, I, I find those super fascinating and just like using uh, Jules again as a, as an example to go into that interview, not realizing that he had worked at Iguana and like I had played almost all of his games, like playing Arrow the Acrobat and stuff like that. And, and time slip, like he like time slip was the first game that he worked on, um, you know, uh, for, for a large part. So, that is, uh, you'll love that interview. He is just fantastic. So, uh, like I said, that'll be coming up in a couple weeks. But uh, we're going to be talking about video games. Video games are fun. They should always be fun. You should never play video games that are not fun. Um, Amen. And if, if you're going to talk about video games, please, you know, only play games that are fun so you can just have fun talking about video games. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of wasting your time on them? You should always be having fun in life. Um, that's That's my motto. So... Let's uh, let's talk about uh, a couple things, and I'm going to be going down uh, a list and handing these off to to people that you know wanted to talk to. And we're going to take like two or three apiece and have many discussions about a couple of these games. Some of these games that uh, really have a, a special place in, in our hearts, or um, you know, for those that also wanted to make sure that they were able to get their opinion in if they were not able to uh, be on that particular episode of the uh, of the show. So uh, first off, we're going to be talking about Super Mario Brothers 2. And Josh, this is, this is something that you wanted to make sure, you know, we, we definitely gave a shout out. And I did say, when I talked to these guys, I, I positioned it as, I want you to pick your favorite games out of these lists. And um, I apologize. I'm going to take one more second and say we, we did 17 games in the last year uh, with about 10 other episodes. So it was about almost one every other week that we were able to do. But uh, the games were Shoot Mario Brothers 2, Shoot Mario Brothers 3, Dracula X, Rondo of Blood, My Lawn Secret Castle, which won't be <laughs> talked about on this show, uh, Bonk's Adventure, uh, Bonk's Revenge, uh, Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Metal Storm, Mega Man 3, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Star Fox, Mighty Final Fight, Castlevania Bloodlines, Zelda the Wind Waker, Shin Shinobi Den, and also Super Mario Land 2, The Six Golden Coins, a pretty good lineup of games, uh, you know, some that would, you know, jump on anyone's top 100 list, except for that other one I mentioned. But um, <laughs> like I said, we're, we're going to take some time and this is just going to be a little different than what we normally do and just kind of have a casual conversation about these games and, and really why they are uh, so special and why we, we pick them to be our, our top games in the this game, uh, or I should say year in review. So sorry, Josh, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, what a weird game. And we talked about that a lot on the episode that we did about this one. Uh, I believe that was a CJ episode. Yes, CJ was yep. on too. Yeah, I thought so. And uh, I went back and played it a little bit more recently as I was thinking about the year of retro games and what we played. And uh, it's still 
I just really like it. It's sort of a fan service type of game before Nintendo was doing a lot of fan servicey types of things, right? Because NES was the console um, where they built up this fan loyalty and love. And this was the first time that you could play as Peach and Luigi and all of these other characters uh, and, and like a proper Mario platformer game. And uh, it, it, it holds up well, especially when you know the game's backstory. And, and that's another thing that we just have to mention again, is that this game was something else entirely in Japan. And uh, Doki Doki Panic, and then it was brought to the States and reskinned with the Mario characters. And uh, it has a lot of strange mechanics that I doubt we'll ever see in a Mario game again. And I don't even know that I want to see them again. But it makes this game a lot more memorable than uh, some of the older NES games when you think about it. It kind of stands out because it's just so different from everything else in the franchise. So, uh, you know, I went back and sort of messed around with more of the characters than I did in my initial playthrough and sort of am falling in love with Luigi well, in, a, in a normal way, like uh, just I was playing as him in terms of the, the high jump and the sliding. And like, I really am, am having fun playing as him this time around. Which, like the like the feet running animation when he's jumping in midair is like his wag. Like, yeah. Like he's flailing his legs all over the place. It's, it's incredibly charming. Yeah. It's incredibly charming. And uh, that's, just a, that's just a great game that people don't need to forget about. Because obviously Mario 3 is a better game. Like when you just look at what objectively makes a game great. And Mario 1 is the seminal game that got that franchise started and plays really well and is, is fun to this day. But and two sort of like in the middle child and that strange middle ground. But uh, it's it's really a fun game. And it's a strange experiment that you need to play. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's a game that I'm happy I finally played through, and it is. Uh, it's it's interesting to see how they make callbacks to that weird Super Mario Brothers two game and things like. Uh, Josh, I don't know if you played Captain Toad yet, but I guess there is a um, a weed or a radish pickup mechanic uh, where you can use that as an attack. Yes, I, I've been messing around with Captain Toad, and and I think Mario 3D World has a few references to Mario 2 as well, but uh, I, I don't know. I kind of want to see an HD remake. An HD remake of Super Mario Brothers 2? Why don't you just pull out your Retron 5 um, Yeah, wash it out? Um, I don't have that anymore, by the way. Great. Good, yeah. good call. Um, yeah. hopefully, hopefully you dropped it, you know, drop kicked it into a ravine or something like that. Wow. So, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, I want to just quickly go around and, and see if anyone else wanted to, to drop some, some, you know, conversation on this. And uh, Greg, you were not on that episode. Um, no. I don't know if you just have any, any brief thoughts on, on the game as a whole or, you know, what your thoughts were on it. Uh, I loved, uh, Super Mario Brothers too. Um, and it was weird because it was kind of like, <clears throat> I mean, back then I, we didn't know that wasn't a quote unquote real Mario game when it came out. Um, and it was kind of like a thing on the NES, right? Cause like the first sequel to Castlevania was weird and different. It wasn't like Castlevania. The first sequel to Zelda was weird and different. It wasn't really like Zelda. And it was kind of like the same thing with, uh, with Super Mario Brothers 2. Obviously we found out later why, but I absolutely adored that game. Um, I've played through that game so many times and, uh, and I I think it's almost kind of cool that they've never really revisited it because it just kind of lives in its own space at this point. And, um, 
it's, it's an oddity now, but it's, it's such a super high quality game. It totally deserves to be in the Mario franchise, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's definitely high enough quality to live there. Um, and the other thing I just remember thinking back when I was a kid, when that actually came out was like, I could not get over how much better that game looked than super Mario brothers. Like it just, I mean, it's seen good NES games anyway, but you know, seeing Mario and seeing those really detailed sprites and they look like cartoons. Mm -hmm. They really look like, and they had so much character. And like you were talking about with Luigi jumping and waggling his feet in the air and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I just adored that game. And uh, CJ, I just wanted to, to offer up for you. I mean, you were obviously on the episode, but, um, you know, definitely does this game hold any, any special place in your heart? Absolutely. It does. And we, we talked a lot about it on the episode. Yeah, one, one thing that I would like to know, and I'm sure no one will ask Miyamoto this, is just why they haven't revisited Wart as a, uh, as a, a boss character. And why uh, you, I, I'd love to know Miyamoto's thoughts on this particular game and what they mm-hmm. did by choosing to release that instead of the Super Mario Brothers 2 that Japan got originally. There, there really wouldn't be any sort of licensing issue in terms of using Wart because, I mean, Nintendo has re-released Mario 2 on the virtual sure. console for multiple systems. I mean, I know Doki Doki Panic. Was Wart the same? Uh, did they reskin him in any way? I believe oh. he was the main boss in Doki Doki Panic. Yeah. So I wonder if that's the issue in some way. But I think Wart's been in Mario Tennis. Wasn't he in, in that? Wasn't he? Was in he really? Those? I Are think you? he's, mm. I, I don't know. <laughs> Still, but, if that's not the explanation though, if it's not anything legal, yeah, we need to see Wart again, right? I mean, there's gotta be a reason. Shy guys. We've seen Shy Guys in the Mario universe This a is lot. a good point. This is a good point. Yeah, hmm. there's gotta be a reason why we haven't seen uh, some of that stuff. Anyway. Well, you know, the the formula is really good with the new Super Mario Brothers and the two 3D Super Mario Brothers games, and they sell really well. So maybe they just don't want to risk not having Bowser because then what do you do with Bowser? You don't you know, mess with the money. You know what they could do? They could add uh, you know the possibility for you to put uh, Wart in as a, a boss in Mario Maker that comes out cool next yeah, year, totally. or this year. Yeah. God, I can't wait. That is that game is made for for us. Um, yes, it is. Let's uh, let's we'll move around. We're going to be talking about another Super Mario Brothers game, but before we get to that, um, CJ wanted to talk about uh, Dracula X Rondo of Blood. We played the PC Engine CD version of that for the show at the right at the beginning of the year. Uh, Kirk Collada was on that episode, and this is a game that is if you want to play it today. The really the, there's two great ways to play it, and one is on the the Wii Virtual Console. So if you have a Wii U, you can actually log into that Wii Virtual Console and buy it through there still. And also uh, the Dracula X, um, Dracula X, what is it called? Dracula, whatever. It's like Dracula X Chronicles on the PSP, uh, whatever the, uh, or Castlevania, the Dracula, I don't know what the hell it's called. I, it's think, right no, I think Dracula me, X Chronicles is correct. Yeah, it's Chronicles Castle- is in there somewhere. Castlevania something, something, something. So um, <laughs> it is an unlockable in there, um, and it is a remake of the original Rondo of Blood. So two great ways to play it, so you don't have to spend $120 on the disc of the game. But CJ, yeah, I'd, I would love to hear your thoughts on, on this game since you weren't on the episode. Yeah, you know, I uh, I haven't played a whole lot of this game, but this episode with Kurt Collada, I thought was just a really, really great episode because Kurt knows a lot about the Castlevania series and about Dracula X. And 
I just found it really interesting to listen to as a, as a listener. And if people have not heard that episode, I strongly encourage you to go back to episode 17 and listen to that because it was a lot of fun. And this is someone who, you know, I'm someone who hasn't really played a Castlevania game since uh, Castlevania 2 on the NES. Hmm. So I thought it was great. That's the only reason I wanted to bring it up. I, I, uh, I have no real memories of Dracula X except well, hearing how rare it was and how expensive it was to to import. Kurt is just so excellent, though. Uh, you know, you, you're absolutely right to bring him up uh, just as someone who basically is a walking Wikipedia entry for an entire franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's always interesting. So, yeah, yeah hope we- that we'll have Kurt some more. Yeah, we'll definitely. Um, oh, he's going to be coming back on. I, I'm. De- I've been delaying it a little bit, but doing Castlevania Two on the Game Boy with this just incredible uh, chip tune soundtrack, which is just really great. I've actually played through that game twice already, but I just, nice. uh, you know, it's one of those things where it comes to scheduling and uh, finding the right order to put all this stuff in. But um, I'll take this time, whenever I can, uh, to to mention uh, the Hardcore Gaming 101 presents Castlevania book, um, which is back up on Amazon. They put uh, an unofficial label on it, so. I guess Konami, since, I mean, Konami doesn't even care about Castlevania, but I guess they, they had a little fuss with the book, but now it's back up on Amazon, uh, available for purchase, and it is uh, a beautiful color book, and also, uh, I'll also take the time to, to mention their Sega Arcade Classics book as well. Um, two kick-ass books, and uh, Greg and I talk about it next week, but it's just a really awesome time for print material for these old games, whether it be um, that Mega Drive book that came out or what uh, Kurt is doing at Hardcore Gaming uh, 101. Just really, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, Dracula X Ronald, but probably the best Castlevania game. Go play it. Uh, find a way to play it. And that is one of those things where uh, I hope... Like these are the kind of games that Nintendo needs to make sure we can get out on the virtual consoles, whether it be the Wii or the Wii U or uh, the 3DS. And I even, uh, not to, to preemptively talk about this, but I was looking uh, at the, the 3DS eShop. I got an import new 3DS and they have TurboGrafx games on there. Um, so, damn, wouldn't that be great to have, you know, really? PC Engine TurboGrafx games on your portable. Um, mm. I would love to play it. But like I said, if you have a PSP or a PlayStation Vita, you can just, it literally takes like 10 minutes to unlock that in the uh, the PSP game. And it is really perfect. It, it plays really well. Um, and that's a pretty deep game, by the way. It has like multiple paths um, that'll lead you to different versions of <laughs> levels and things like that. So uh, if you don't love the Castlevania games traditionally, this might be one that you like more because it's sort of the it sort of has elements of Symphony of the Night in terms of being able to choose different paths um, while still keeping that level structure of the tradi- of the traditional Castlevania games. T- totally. And I'll be using some of the music from that game in here for sure probably one of the uh, the better soundtracks that we've had this year so mm-hmm. uh greg another great soundtrack uh from another fantastic game and you know there's this this is a, this is a franchise that gets a lot of flack now um hmm. because they, they've had some lackluster releases over the last couple of years i guess ever since uh sonic generations uh which i got another copy of for christmas thanks mom and uh the <laughs> the, the game that you want to talk about though uh, was the original uh sonic the hedgehog on the sega genesis and the mega drive um and we talked about this uh I guess you and I talked about this on a Google Hangout, like a one-off that we did. Yes. Um, but, you know, definitely let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, Sonic 1 and just how amazing that game is. 
and how it was just the, one of the greatest games ever made. It, it absolutely is. Was it ever good? No, it was never good. It was always amazing. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go there or not. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think it is it is a, a discussion that can be had with the the sense of like I think there are great games of of the past that um, you know not everyone is going to love, uh, not everyone no. is going to appreciate. Um, but statistically, it is almost irrefutable that Sonic 1 uh, was a fantastic game, and it literally is what <clears throat> sold the Sega Genesis in the United States, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's that great story about not only, you know, the fact that, well, to even back up a little bit, I mean, the, the whole reason the game existed was because Sega wanted something to compete with Mario. Project I mean, that 1 was million, right? Project Million Seller, yeah. yeah. Project Million Seller. So the whole idea was that they took input from all over the company, Um to, to, to come up with a mascot character that they could use to battle Mario. And uh, Sonic was what uh, they ended up getting, although he was a rabbit originally and not a hedgehog. Um, and it just sort of went from there. I mean, you know, you put some of your best people on it and you get an amazing soundtrack and it, it sort of set the world on fire. And then, of course, Tom Kalinske having the balls to say, you know what, this game's going to make us a ton of money at retail. Let's not sell it at retail alone. Let's pack it in with every console. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and basically give away the farm, um, and it was a brilliant move. I mean, it you know it, it it set the genesis on fire in the U.S. and you can directly point to that game not only as the reason why the genesis was uh, as as successful as it was in the U.S. but the reason why Sega was around and became the heavyweight that they did. I mean, everything they did after that point had everything to do with the success of Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. So um, yeah, and. Uh, and the, the thing I do have to say, too, that I've always loved about it, and, and this is the point of contention where a lot of people say they don't like the game, is the whole like push right to win mm-hmm. uh, feel. That's actually, A, that's an oversimplification, oversimpli- but B, that's one of the reasons I really loved Sonic, because it was meant to compete with Mario, and it's obvious it was meant to compete with Mario because it was their mascot, but it wasn't trying to ape Mario, which... Like, mm-hmm. if you remember in the 16-bit consoles, anybody who lived through that era in the 90s, everybody was doing mascots. And that was like the holy grail. Before fighting games were the holy grail, that was the holy grail. It, but all those mascot games, none of them ever stuck because everybody was just trying to do Mario, do mm-hmm. a riff on Mario. And, and you can't, you know, why, why try to better the master? I mean, no one was going to beat those games because they were perfect. So... Do something different, and that's what Sega did, and it, and it was beautiful. Yeah, I think there there is definitely a case to you know have with with Sonic the Hedgehog just having. Um, if you, I could almost say you could like put the catalogs or the the main Sonic games side by side with the main Super Mario Brothers and Mario games, and you can get you know a pretty good argument for for how much quality there is on both sides. And just hear me out for a second. I, I've been playing <laughs> through uh, the Sonic uh, Sonic Rush on the DS this, this last like week. Just randomly, I've been popping that in because that that import. 3DS plays region-free DS games, and I want to try it out. I ended up playing like an hour and a half of that game, and it is uh, super fantastic. And I heard, uh, you know, even like Sonic, I think that Sonic's Rush Adventure, there's a bunch of DS Sonic games that are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, And I even checked out Sonic Generations on the 3DS, too, um, and that is also pretty damn good. It's like like a remake of uh, the previous 
Sonic games from the Genesis, like from Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles. They remade some of those worlds and used, you know, the soundtracks from those games. So if you're looking for a 3DS game to check out, I would totally pick that game up. It's like $20. Um, it's worth the risk of picking that one up. I mean, the, the big thing, though, the difference there, because I, I'm not totally going to go with you on the whole uh, level playing field as far as quality goes between the Mario and the I, Sonic series. I don't series, think but, it's level. I think it's, oh, okay. I just think we could have a fun time arguing about it. You could, especially <laughs> from like it, up to about 1995. Sure. Um, but then, the, yeah, the, obviously the problem with the Sonic series has become in, in more recent years is the, the wildly varying degrees of quality those games are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first three games, and especially I thought the first game, I actually still enjoy the first game more than the second one. Um, and the second mm. one was far more popular. The second one was the best-selling Genesis game. Of, I think it might have been the best-selling Sega game of all time, but it was the best-selling Genesis game of all time. Well, and, uh, so what about it? What about, uh, do you like not having Tails around? No. That makes the game a little tighter? Or? It's nothing like that. It's just, um, it's just I feel like Sonic, the, the first Sonic, I mean, obviously a, a bit of it is the whole... You know, where were you when the first time you played it? That sort of thing. Sonic was fresh and new, and there was nothing else like it at the time. Uh, so, I mean, there's just definitely, definitely a heavy dose of nostalgia there. But even when Sonic Two came out, it, it didn't grab me the way the first one did. I, I think the, I think the level design was a little more simplistic in the first game, and I think the game uh, benefited from that a lot. Fewer um, times where you were getting lost. I can totally agree with that. Yeah, but Sonic 2 is a great game, and it's a gorgeous game, and it's, you know, objectively better, but I just mm-hmm. think Sonic 1 is a, is a more uh, fun game. Totally get it. Totally get it. Yeah. Uh, and from from there, I'm going to be uh, pointing out a game, and that's going to be uh, the only good Final Fight game that was ever released, and that's Mighty Final Fight on the uh, Famicom and the NES. Um, I've kind of joked around in the past that the Final Fight games on the Super Nintendo are absolute... Uh, absolutely <laughs> mediocre. Um, but You're right. Incorrectly, yes, you argued that. No, actually, I think <laughs> I, I think I am right um, because those games are really boring uh, to play, um, and they don't hold up. Where games like Streets of Rage, uh, one, two, and three, <laughs> yeah. uh, hold up incredibly well. They don't have boring soundtracks, and they don't have like characters that were completely ripped off from other franchises in their game. Um, <laughs> I- I have a, I have a, I have a point to make. You know what? You know what would have made Final Fight better on the Super Nintendo? What? Three, char- three characters, multiplayer, and a CD soundtrack. <laughs> sure. I, I'll take the CD soundtrack part of that argument. I agree with that part. <laughs> I, I still don't think Final Fight CD is is, is very appealing. Um, Blasphemy. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final Fight guy is is also not super awesome. Or as we call it in Canada, Final Fight Gee. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah okay whatever. Um, so the, the, the mighty final fight is uh, Capcom at the top of its game on the NES. There was uh, I don't have the exact list of the producers in front of me, but they had some producers on that game that went on to make fantastic stuff. Producers that were coming off of the Mega Man franchise and getting to work on a uh, final fight game where the soundtrack is incredible. Um, the gameplay is incredibly deep for an NES game. Uh, it has RPG and level uh, leveling up mechanics. Uh, where you actually gain new moves as you play through the game, um, which is uh, is really awesome, you know, to see in, in the in, a, in an eight bit game. Uh, you didn't see that in, in really any other brawlers. There were some more RPG mechanics in a game. Uh, now it's a game. It's oddly enough that I have on my shelf. I'm looking back at my shelf right now. Um, 
can't see the name. What's that game that the the Kunio Kun game that everyone likes that I can't remember the name of and I'm looking at uh, right now? Super Dodgeball? Oh, nope. you mean River City Ransom. River City Ransom, yeah. uh, which has a, a lot of RPG mechanics in, uh, in it as well. So, uh, you know, I just want to say, get Mighty Final Fight. It's available on the Nintendo eShop on your on your 3DS and I believe on the Wii U and the Wii. Um, it is well worth $5, and it is a game that uh, even works with the crappy button configuration of the 3DS for the, the A and B buttons. You can play it totally well, and I actually rebought it and put it on my 3DS because uh, it is a game that you can pick up and play at any time, and you can still have a blast playing it for like 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, highly recommended, and since the card is so expensive, the eShop is a fantastic outlet uh, for you to to pick that up. Um I forget. I, oh, Phil was on this episode, so uh, I guess none of you guys got to, to talk about this. So I don't know, Josh. Have you played any Mighty Mighty Final Fight? No, I haven't. I'm sorry. Well, it's the only good one. So talk, <laughs> play it, then we can talk about if Final Fight is good or <laughs> okay, not. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. CJ, how about you? Didn't this come out like uh, after the Super Nintendo was out? Super late. It was like yeah. 1993. Super late. Yeah, after the Super Nintendo hit, I did not really look at 8-bit nes games <laughs> it wasn't in that package that nintendo so. sent over with the, the yoshi's cookie or whatever no. you got. yeah oh yoshi that was the original the yoshi puzzle game uh, wasn't even yoshi's cookie oh no um yeah terrible greg greg i don't know if you have any thoughts on mighty final fight i i don't know if i totally agree that it's uh the best final fight because i i actually really love the sega cd version of but course um, you would you would <laughs> you would i know no but uh it was really good yeah I, I have played it i think i actually own it i think i have the cartridge around here somewhere Still sealed. Um, yeah, still sealed. No, I actually played that one. Um, and it was cool. Yeah, I mean, Capcom was one of those companies that was really supporting the NES after mm. the Super Nintendo came out. I mean, three of the uh, six Mega Man games, I think, came out after the Super Nintendo, or at least they were late in the life of the, the, the NES. Four, five, and six, I believe. Yeah. Uh, four was would have been 92. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, guess I mean, well, they, and they were quality games. I mean, yeah. Capcom, Capcom made killer games on the NES anyway. They yeah. had that system clocked. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, you pick up a Capcom game as long as it wasn't those first initial release games that weren't actually made by Capcom. Yeah, uh, you're going to be picking up a game that is going to be worth playing, and uh, that's another goal of mine for for next year is to. Um, I've been talking with Phil about doing some more uh, Mega Man games, and I know you guys are all Mega Man fans, so we'll have to kind of shuffle things up a little bit. But um, I found four, five, and six really never get a lot of uh, praise or, or talk or anything like no. that. But I picked uh, I picked those up in Japan because they're relatively cheap to get four, five, and six, and uh, I think. F- like five and in six kicks ass like six is awesome yeah it really does <laughs> six and they figured out the big issue with four like four has the sound issues the sound channel issues but they fix it in five and six so you don't miss the music sound channels when you're charging up your your shot it actually fades out the charging like and then instead you have the uh the actual music that's in the background so they totally figured that out also uh on I can't believe I'm recommending eShop games, but those are games <laughs> that are really expensive now. So if you want to play them, I totally recommend you grabbing them on the eShop or um, PlayStation Network. They have the CD versions of up to uh, Mega Man 4 uh, that came out on PS1. So those are cool as well. But They have them on the 3DS as well. I just want to point that out that it's awesome to have like the Mega Man games on your 3DS. Yeah, and I, I also got uh, Mega Man 3, 4, and 5 on the Game Boy. Um, I guess five, oh, wow. is, 5 is the big one. Uh, to to talk about, but 
um, I should say the Rockman games. I don't think there's any differences in the regions between the two, the games themselves, but um, I was playing some Mega Man 5 the other night too, and it's like, it feels like an NES Mega Man game. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable. It's just zoomed in a little bit, but that's another thing I would love to do next year is get, uh, or I guess I should say this year is do more, more Game Boy stuff and uh, even potentially Game Gear stuff if I can figure out a way to actually play uh, some of those games. But uh, before we go any further, we're going to take like a musical break. We're going to take a break so you can hear some more music from these games that we've been talking about. And hopefully you can, uh, you know, take a second and maybe you want to jump on Twitter and you can uh, start following at Back of My Player, at Kevin Larrabee, at Super Pack, at Seward, or at Joshua Hillier. And, uh, you know, say hi to us. Talk about some games. Like I will mention in the next episode with Greg, uh, that Twitter stuff is there so you can interact with, with people and it's, it reminds us that people actually listen to this stuff so why don't you take a second pause this jump on your phone jump on your laptop and uh, go do that then we're going to be right back and we're going to talk about four more awesome games that we covered in the last year on Back in My Play stick around And we're going to talk about uh, another Super Mario Brothers game in Super Mario Brothers 3. And it's just perfect that we we got to talk about the wizard already because these are like one in the same. They're equal in terms of quality and, uh, you know, how in like replayability and rewatchability. You can watch the wizard any week and you can play Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, any week. So, so CJ, uh, you wanted to talk about this fantastic, potentially the best Mario game of all time. Um yeah, let's let's talk about it a little hmm. bit. I don't know about that. I I sort of like go between Super Mario Brothers two and three as being my favorite Mario. World is not part of that conversation. World, I I need to replay World. I nope. uh, have not played it for a long time, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this episode was where I revealed that I'd never seen the Wizard, and then we yeah. did that special episode, so that was great. Um, Super Mario Brothers three holds just uh, a, a very dear place in my heart because the first time I saw it was at a uh, toy store in the Play Choice ten, and I could not believe that they had it there and. You know, you you put a quarter in and you could only play for like, what, 90 seconds or two minutes. But uh, it was amazing. I loved that game. Uh, still love it to this day. 
Um, in, in 2014, I actually played all the way through it uh, without warps, which I had not done before. And every stage of it is just really, really good, especially later stages. Yeah. There's some underground levels where you 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 definitely see the seeds of what would uh, of the level design that would be to come in Super Mario World, and just a fantastic game. Looks great, amazing soundtrack, uh, amazing level design. Um, the huge world, the uh, giant world. It's the one that you know everybody remembers from their childhood. Just so many surprising things in this game that you didn't think the NES could do, even though Super Mario Brothers 2, as we just talked about, had really good graphics. Super Mario Brothers 3 really uh, kicked it up a notch, so to speak. It is, uh, it's a special game for, I think, a lot of people as well because, uh, like you said, it, it kind of just showed up. Um, <laughs> it, whether it was like a, in, in the Play Choice 10, which had had its debut here in the States, you actually had to pay quarters to play through Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, and that was a couple months before it hit our retail shelves. But um, we'll never see anything like that today uh, because of PR cycles and things like that and announcements and then previews and then, uh, you know, betas and all this stuff. I, I one of my hopes and, and why I've uh, you know played a lot more indie games, I think they have a little bit more of that that energy and that flavor where, you know, what if, you know, uh was it last like seventeen bit uh just dropped their Galaxy game, just dropped it and didn't even announce it. They just like it showed up on PSN, it showed up on, you know, whatever Steam and it's like, yeah, it's available today. I, I really wish like more companies would take that risk and and really try to get that excitement and be like, oh my god, I can't believe it's all, it's up on the you know PSN right now. We got to go run and get it um, without having like PR emails that go out, having it talked about on you know YouTube channels and all this stuff. Uh, it just is. That's a there. big risk. It's a big risk. Totally, it is. Sure to do that. Well, you know <laughs> what I think would be cool would be to just get up during E3 and say we have a new console. We're putting it out right now. You can go to your store and get it. You can go to your Toys R Us. That is a great move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But but think about what happened. Even that's a good point, Josh. What if you look at E3 and you had something? Sony's done this a couple times in the last year, where they just had something like PT, where they said, Mm. "There's this new game, PT. It's available right now for free on PlayStation Network." Or even um, I think it was uh, Entwined was that that student project that they turned into a game that. they just said, yeah, it's available right now. I think more stuff like that, that you just, it comes out of nowhere. Um, and if it is a bigger company that is being, or it's being helped, uh, the funding is coming from somewhere like a Sony or a Nintendo or a Microsoft, and they can take that risk. It's not going to hurt the developer. Um, I just, I, we, I think we all miss that magic of getting the new EGM and seeing that game that we never heard of before. And we can't believe it's coming in a couple months, but yeah, you know, I wish more companies would do that. Nintendo has done that a couple of times with uh, Nintendo Directs, where yeah. they'll announce something and be and say that is available after this broadcast, mm-hmm. and it's that kind of stuff has been amazing. And as you said, it sort of like brings back that excited feeling you get over you know, over video games. Like CJ, they got they got Zelda two down at KB Toys right now. You got to go get it right now. <laughs> and you get a mom, 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 mom. We gotta go to KB Toys. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Exactly. Like, or like that time I uh, called Toys R Us, asked if they had Double Dragon for the NES. <laughs> they they told me they didn't have it, 
but I did not believe the person on the phone. <laughs> so They're I dragged my parents copies. there and they did, they did have it. Wow. That's uh, a, <laughs> that's pretty good. You just anymore. knew. You just knew. I, I had a psychic link with the inventory of that Toys R Us location. Wow. I knew that they had it. I had um, a, NES, NES Remix was one of the best surprises though, uh, in terms of what we were talking about just a second ago, like a game <laughs> totally. that just dropped out of nowhere. <laughs> Oh, totally. That's, that's funny, dude. This isn't a joke show, though. Show seriously this isn't anymore. a joke. <laughs> the worst, the worst is Doctor Luigi, though. Nobody likes that. That was a real kick to the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Was oh, was well. that not good? Uh, eh, no. How much do you like L's and Tetris? <clears throat> essentially, um, I don't know. I can't buy a Tetris anymore because of Ubisoft. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> Super Mario Bros. 3 is, is super dope. And uh, I will say Nintendo's done a lot of great stuff in 2014. I don't think NES Remix was... Uh, this is coming from someone that, that bought both of them. They're sitting what? on his Wii U right now. And I what? just... I don't, I don't like them. They're not fun. I'd rather play the actual games. There you go. Uh, well, that's, that's true. But if you're just looking for, like, quick hits of, of nostalgia, it, like, brings... It's like a clip show. It's like those VH1, I love the 80s I, I think sort if, of things. If they, if no, they did, not. this is what I would yes, want. It is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is, this is why, you know, if you're listening, like, I'm not, I'm not available to be hired, but take this for free. If they just did, like, cool things, like, all right, you have... You know, 90 seconds in this level of Super Mario Brothers 3, get as many points as possible, have leaderboards with all your friends on uh, whatever they, I guess, what would it be like the Miiverse? Um, If they did stuff like that, just little things or even bring back Mike Tyson's punch out and be like, how many, how many guys can you get through in two minutes and 30 seconds? Or, you know, how much damage can you do on, you know, Mr. Dream? Like just little things like that, where it was more like I could see what you did, CJ. I can see what you did, Greg. I can see what you did, Josh. And I can compete against you guys. If there was more scoreboard type stuff that is based on like time and uh, doing something as fast as possible, I think that would be more interesting than these like 20 second, 30 second chunks of these levels where I'm like, I'd rather experience the whole game. That's just me personally. I'm not saying you're wrong, but uh, no, I'm saying you're wrong. I agree with you. I think that would be very, very cool. I think probably when NES remix was a project, I don't know if they, if they thought people would really like it. I don't know. (laughs) So it's a, it's a shame. Mm. And uh, you know, the one thing that we did get out of it that was really great was a fantastic book that they released in Japan uh, for NES remix or Famicom remix that has uh, breakdowns of every single game, uh, which is really great. If you're ever in Japan and you want to pick that up from Amazon or a bookstore, it is kick ass. um, Even if you cannot read Japanese. Um, Yeah. Super Mario Brothers three. That's okay. Pretty good game. Um, Let's keep going down the uh, list. Josh, you, you definitely uh, mentioned that you wanted to talk about uh, the fantastic uh, title, Metal Storm. Metal Storm is a super cool game. Uh, this is probably one of the games that people knew the least about of everything that we played this year because it's not something that sees a bunch of digital releases every year on every platform. And uh, that's a shame because it's uh, you're basically playing as a mech that's about the size of like your average character in a platformer, in an action platformer, and you can flip gravity essentially. So like V V V V V V or various other games. I did not just have a stroke by the way. That game actually is V six times. Um, but anyway, uh, you know you can flip upside down for different platforming. 
uh, to navigate through the level and to activate switches and things like that. It's just it's fun to traverse and to get through the game. And it's a technical marvel, honestly, for that game to be on the NES and to have that mechanic. It just uh, it's just sort of mind blowing. Music's really good. And uh, it's, I, you know, it's a little bit hard, if I'm going to be completely honest, uh, perhaps unnecessarily so at times, but overall a game that people need to play if they can find the card at a somewhat reasonable price. What does your cat think? Yeah, he, he likes to talk like right when it gets to be my turn. No, he likes Metal <laughs> Storm. It's okay. It's everyone. It, it, it kind of looks like a cat. Um, yeah. Me- Metal Storm. Whiskers. Yeah, totally. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. It's hard, but I think just like the last two stages are the really hard. Uh, like the the difficulty just gets jacked up, you know, quite a bit after the third stage. And uh, like you mentioned, the soundtrack is tip top. It kicks ass. Irem brought the ruckus. Or I guess it was it was Tamtex that did the development, but uh, Irem published it, and um, it was just just really really cool. And the game is literally a hundred dollars right now on ebay like it's selling for a hundred dollars for a loose card of that game i'm kind of bummed i bummed i sold mine but um yeah yeah i sold mine too but trust me, it's not worth a hundred dollars i would just try to play it somewhere <laughs> else um cj yeah. did you ever play any metal storm i have not oh, that game. game totally passed me by greg how about you i think we did we talk about you playing metal storm before i believe i was on the episode actually oh so yes, I played it. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't think you were on the the show, but I don't remember him being on the episode either. I don't. Know. I thought I was, but I, you know, I'm old. My brain's my my mind's going. So no, that sounds about that. Actually, yeah, is coming Metal Storm. Me. Metal Storm was a cool game. It was uh, it was kind of neat because it was it felt like sort of a hidden gem, right? Like mm-hmm. um, I, I want to say that Nintendo Power did a spread on it though, it which was is a why cover, I even paid attention. Was it a cover? There it was you go. A cover, yeah. So that I mean, that's the only reason I ever even paid attention to it. But I mean, you know, I was a big Robotech fan when I was a kid, so that totally spoke to me. I mean, it looks like something straight out of out of uh, that series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's cool. I, I love the the gravity mechanic. Was was like such a neat idea. You guys all forgot about the parallax scrolling, which was a miracle on the NES to be able to do parallax scrolling in a video game. Um, but yeah, go. Unfortunately, it's not available on any eShops or anything like that. So if you want to get a copy, you're going to have to uh, either purchase one on eBay or break the law. So do what you need to do. I'll sell you mine for 200 bucks. All right. Well, <laughs> you can. Shipping from Canada is going to be a bitch, though. So um, let's see. Other than Metal Storm, uh, Greg, you brought up. Castlevania Symphony of the Night as a game that you wanted to uh, actually, actually you're gonna have to pick one do you want to talk about Mega Man 3 or Castlevania I have to pick one yeah because otherwise oh. we're gonna talk for two and a half hours um <laughs> well I mean I love Mega Man 3 but I gotta go with Castlevania Symphony of the Night well this was this is an episode that you were not on this was another uh I think Kurt Collada special that um, would make sense so so oh no 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 it was yeah it was, Brian Davis right that's right. Sorry. Oh, yeah, because that guy's life revolves around Symphony of the Night, doesn't it? I mean. No, well, Brian, uh, our good friend over at Next Level Games, who is uh, hopefully working on, you know, something new. You guys haven't put out a game in a couple of years, so there's got to be something coming, right? Um, it, it was 2013. It was, uh, was it? Luigi's, Luigi's Mansion 2. Was it was early 2013. It was like yeah, March. It was March. It's been a while. Yeah. I, I still, that's, that's in my top three 3DS games. They got. Got a good pedigree over there, but um, 
yeah, he, he came on and that was the one thing when I talked to him about coming on the show, he's like, fine, only if I can do Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And, uh, yeah, this game is, is pretty incredible, but Greg, what's your take on it? Uh, exactly that. Um, it was, I mean, as a big Metroid fan, I always have been a big Metroid fan. I was a Castlevania fan, but, um, you know, it's the, the series had kind of petered out, uh, what the original way they were doing it anyway. So, I mean, man, Symphony of the Night. I followed that game so closely for so long in any magazine that they was covering it. I mean, like the the internet was a thing at that point, so there was information out there. And I actually, it was one of the earlier games that I imported. Uh, the first thing that came out because I was, I was actually uh, co-running a website at the time called uh, Gaming Age uh, with Sam Kennedy and Jim Cordera and, and a few other people, and um, that was like. Symphony of the Night was for some reason was like going to be a huge game for us. We needed to get it and review it right away, and you know, like all these special web pages set up for it and everything. But uh, man, I love playing that game. That they just did Metroid right, and I mean, how long had it been since Super Metroid? So you know, we'd had three Metroid games in the space of like fifteen years or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, enjoying the gameplay alone was a huge thing, but the music. Like, oh my God, the music was so good. The soundtrack in that game is one of my top five favorites of all time. Um, I I can play that game over and over again. I have played that game over and over again. Since you were playing it uh, with the Japanese version, uh, what was the reveal like for you when you realized that there was basically another half of the game left to play? I don't even remember how I learned that because, I mean, it's hard enough to figure out in English. Uh Uh-huh. I, I don't I don't remember how I figured it out. I'm sure that somebody else figured it out and, and it sort of got passed around. Um, I don't remember if GameFAQs was a thing back then or not. But it was amazing because, I mean, I you know, without that reveal, without that second half of the game, the game has still got a ton of content. I mean, that was one of the really cool things about it, too, is when you went to different areas, they felt completely different. You know, like it it felt like a different game half the time as far as the visuals went. And there were so there was such a huge variety of enemies and and they all acted differently. And all these different weapons had these cool different effects where, you know, like uh, just all the swords acted differently. And you had these great magic abilities and you could learn all these different spells to do like high jumps and and dash across the screen and stuff like that. And then to find out that you get to do it all again with harder enemies and it's all upside down for some reason. Like it was just whoa, where, where did this even come from? Like, it is, it sure, is I'll go whole, play through the castle again. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. it is almost that feeling of when you, you realize that, oh, if you type in Zelda on Legend of Zelda, you get a whole second quest. Yeah, exactly. It was very much the same thing. But that was, like, they there was so much love that went into that game, I think, because there were so many cool little moments, like when you, you're in a, like a church or a cathedral at one point, in the game and you get to a confessional and like you can sit in the chairs and there's nothing that tells you in the game that you can do this. And it's, and it hadn't been done up until that point, but depending on what happens, like if you sit down on one side, a ghost will appear to come in and, and, you know, give a confession and a couple different things can happen. Like they'll attack you from the other side or it'll be a woman who breaks down in tears and stuff like that. Like just little touches like that all throughout the game or, when you get into the uh, the ice area and there's some water, there's a thin layer of ice over the water. So if you jump through the surface of the water, it actually cracks the ice. Um, or like having going into the dream sequence where you see, I believe it was uh, Alucard's mother being burned at the stake. Like just 
wild stuff that you could finish that game and not see half of it. And you were missing such cool, unique experiences throughout. It was it was just a blast. Yeah, yeah. I made a big mistake when I got. I didn't know about the whole two hundred percent thing. Um, yeah. And then I, I was playing it for the the show, and I beat what I thought was the final boss in that game, and uh, got rolled credits. And then I, you know, was talking to Brian, and he's like, "You didn't finish the game. You got to go no. back, and you have to actually." do these other things to make sure you get, you have to pick up these items to make sure you get the real ending. And then I'm like, all right, and that's hundred percent. I got like an hour before the podcast are going to record. Then I get the whole thing where it flips the whole thing over. And I'm like, I'm not even halfway through the game. Um, <laughs> and I want to clarify that's Castlevania, the Dracula X Chronicles on the PSP. Um, it's $15 on PlayStation network. If you have a Vita or a PSP, so worth it. Um, and it's $15 for the UMD brand new through amazon.com still. Um, mm. if you want to get that, and that comes with symphony of the night and Rondo of blood, plus the remake of Rondo of blood in, uh, with 3d graphics. Uh, so I mean, that's polygonal. two of the greatest Castlevania games ever made. Yep. Um, mm. in, immediately uh, go purchase that if you don't have them already. You will not be disappointed. And like I uh, mentioned with uh, Run of Blood, uh, Symphony of the Night is also super easy to uh, unlock. And you can also just download a game save with them unlocked and then put them on your um, your Vita or your PSP. Or at least that's what I did for my PSP. I don't see why it would be any different for the uh, Vita. You can drag and drop PSP uh, save files onto uh, onto that stuff. So yeah, great, great game. This is some live breaking news on that I need to mention on the show. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I'll put out this. I'll put out this podcast if not tonight. Actually, it will probably be on Saturday. So this is Friday night at nine twenty p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, Mike Micah has just posted a tech demo of Star Fox for the Game Boy Advance. Awesome. And sweet. What? called Star Fox Advance. And from what he's telling me right now, he says it is not his. He has no idea where it came from. Um, he says the game might be out there someplace, but he says he got it from a ROM that he found. Huh. It's Star Fox running on a Game Boy Advance. Like a what sort of sweet. art style? Is it like just the original it's, Star it's Fox? It's the original Star Fox for the Game huh. Boy Advance. Wow. With some mean pop in, but at least it's running. <laughs> um, but I guess the original had some pop in too. So yeah, that is... Uh, Check out at Mike J. Micah on Twitter if you want to see that. He has like a Vine video of it right now. Yeah, I'm looking um, at it. But it might be something that hopefully we'll get some more news on. We're going to can get continuing coverage of this story on Back in My Play as we continue. Recorded uh, yesterday. Recorded yesterday. But you never know. Might New stuff might come out uh, tomorrow. So uh, another game that uh, CJ wanted to talk about is a, a recent game that we, we talked about on the show, but is a very special title. And that's The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker on the GameCube. And of course, the re-release uh, recently in the past year, uh, I guess a little bit over a year ago on the Nintendo Wii U. Yeah, my favorite Zelda game. And it was great uh, to talk about this game with you guys. I just think... This is a this is a timeless game. Like you you look back at GameCube era graphics, um, you know, PlayStation Two. There's not a lot of stuff that holds up nowadays, but Wind Waker, even on the GameCube, still holds up super super well. And the HD remake that Nintendo released last year just looks amazing as well. Uh, one of my top five games of all time. I just love Wind Waker. My favorite Zelda game. For the art style alone, it deserves that. It really yeah. does. 
and I'm, you know, and I'm the one who had problems with it. This is Josh talking. I, I uh, the, the fetch quest at the end with the Triforce hunt really got to me, but still that game is timeless. And a big part of that is the art style. Like you're talking about CJ. It, it, it probably has the best boss battle. Uh, best final Ganon boss battle. Ah, I have to do it eventually. Yeah, dude, definitely. Just just throw on some podcasts and just follow a guide. That's literally <laughs> what I did to get through the the Triforce stuff. And um, once you get to, well, you'll know pretty pretty easily when you get to the final part. Take out the headphones and listen to. Uh, oh God, it's just it's just so good how it finishes up. And um, I, I I will probably say this is a little bit off topic, but. Nintendo is bringing it next year, or I guess, it's, I guess I should say this year. With a new Zelda coming out, I am just incredibly hyped and excited for uh, for what they're going to be bringing uh, with that. It's just um, it's just a really good time to to be a fan of Zelda, and hopefully they can knock it out of the park mm-hmm. um, this time. Greg, did you ever play Wind Waker? Is that one? Is that a, a uh, game yeah? That you enjoy? Uh, Wind Waker is one of my favorite. I know one we of my talked a lot Zelda on games. streams together about it. Yeah. Um, Actually, review. I think that's one of the last games I reviewed for EGM before I left. What'd you give it for a score? Do you know? I think it was either a nine five or a ten. Wow. Um, yeah, was, uh, that game's incredible. Uh, and and of course, thank you, CJ, for talking uh, mess about me oh, yeah, on right. back in my play. <laughs> like, but I I really did. I did not like the art style when they first announced when they first no, showed you it. Did not. I thought it looked ridiculous. Is that why and, you had uh, to leave because you weren't yeah, going to get any interviews from the Yamoto? The yeah. country. That's right. I was kicked out of the country. <laughs> North America has a lot of power. You don't Let mess me tell with you, them. You know what? Know. Just to make your, your longish episode a little bit longer, and CJ is going to love this. I'm cool. Um, I, got, I got plenty of time. I just, you know. Talking about how I couldn't get interviews with Miyamoto, I went on an interview <laughs> with CJ. Uh, went to right. interview Shigeru Miyamoto. My first E3 when I was at EGM, so this would have been 2000 or 2001. And uh, CJ had, you know, CJ was the news editor, so he went and interviewed all these awesome people. And uh, he said, yeah, I got, a, I got an interview with Shigeru Miyamoto. You want to come sit in? I think it was James Milky, CJ, and me. You want to come sit in on it? Yeah, sure, that'd be great. I went in and met the man, and uh, I didn't say a word after that. <laughs> I just true. sat there in total awe while CJ, and I think it was James, uh, conducted the interview. I was completely useless. But I did get to meet him at least. So I think it may have been that James didn't show up. That might have and been. I was it. like, "You, hey, Greg, I don't want to do this interview alone. You have to come with me." And yet he did it alone. And then, I, <laughs> yeah. I just sat there with my jaw on the floor the whole time. Wow. Who translated? Was Bill there uh, at that point? In no, time it wasn't Bill. Out? It, it, Nintendo hired like a bunch of contract translators at that yeah. time. Okay. It, it wasn't okay. Bill for sure, but, uh, but yeah, it's curious. But I, yeah, no, Wind Waker's fantastic game. Another another Absolutely. game with uh, the the benefit of the the HD re release, which is mm. uh, something that we talked about on Player One a couple of weeks ago. But um, that that is something that I really hope that is not a trend that goes away because I would love to see, um, especially GameCube and Wii titles get that upres treatment. And same thing with N sixty four games, like more stuff like Star Fox, like Star Fox sixty four three D is unbelievable on the three DS and. Um, Majora's Mask is uh, probably one of my most anticipated games, uh, considering it is getting not only the up-res treatment, but it's also getting fixed in terms of some of the mechanics to make it a little bit more uh, playable for people that don't have patience for uh, some of the, the gameplay mechanics of that game. So uh, Nintendo, keep keep farming those things out. Keep getting them made. Uh, let's uh, make no. sure we get 
Galaxy 1 and 2 HD in 2015. Um, I think. What did you say you'd pay for that, Kevin? On Player One, I think you said like a hundred dollars. Four billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, so roughly. Okay, I'll give I'll give I, them my PlayStation, my twentieth anniversary PlayStation Four. <laughs> yeah, that's about I, four billion anyway. I actually do like the way Nintendo has handled it. It's kind of picking and choosing. I mean, they couldn't have picked a better game to start with, really, to do HD re- uh, remakes. And, you know, maybe maybe it'll be the Wii U or maybe it'll be the next system that sees uh, Mario Galaxy. Who knows? Or even Mario 64. Like, the, the, the DS version is okay. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would love... Oh, God. Like, these are just... These are games that are still easy to go back to. Um I, I don't know if I mentioned on there, but I was streaming like on Christmas, Christmas Eve and playing Ocarina of Time. Like that still plays okay on the N64, but it's like 25 frames per second uh, when you play it on your, your 3DS and it is just running buttery smooth and it just looks fantastic. And there's uh, improvements in terms of some of the dungeon design. Uh, it is it is just a really cool thing. And please keep doing that because I will I will buy those things to have in my collection to keep, keep making those things. Um, we're breaking back in for more coverage of Star Fox Advance on the on the Game Boy Advance. Um, we we have some more news from Mike Micah, who is uh, filling me in, saying that um, in the uh, demo, or I guess the tech demo, that only the training is available, but you can uh, shoot. You can uh, shoot like your regular lasers, bombs. Uh, you can barrel roll, and you can like uh, turbo, and you can uh, put on the brakes and stuff. So. It has. Uh, hopefully, hmm. we'll have some more coverage on this because that is uh, that. That's really cool. Getting more of those Super FX games on the Game Boy Advance, like uh, Yoshi's Island and, and all that stuff. So cool. Can you imagine what happens when you shoot your bomb? I would have to think that it, it slows down to a crawl. Game Boy Advance was pretty good. It was thirty-two bit architecture. You know, yeah. It, it just had a really terrible sound chip. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is its big. Uh, Big bummer. Um, all right, let's see where we're at. I think I am up, so I'm going to uh, finish off this this episode. Um, what game should I pick? Um, it's really tough. Um, oh no, Josh, do you have another one? Oh no, we'll we'll, we'll hit on that for for a second. But I was going to kind of running out of time here so um, I'll just quickly say uh, Castlevania Bloodlines, a game that we actually did. three Castlevania games this year uh, which is kind of crazy um, just in in the sense of I never really put time into Symphony of the Night and Castlevania Bloodlines Uh, I've said it before I'll say it again Uh, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to give myself the motivation to play through play through some of these fantastic games that I wouldn't uh, otherwise play. It's just that extra little push. And um, with Castlevania Bloodlines, I think it is, um, I also talked about this a lot on like A4 play. I think it is really like the Castlevania 4 that we could have gotten um, if they didn't go to Super Castlevania, where Super Castlevania is a very different game than Castlevania 1 through 3. Bloodlines really feels like uh, just like a iteration on Castlevania 3 on the NES, but with better graphics excuse me, and uh, an unbelievable soundtrack. Uh, The woman who worked on the soundtrack would later go on to do the Symphony of the Night soundtrack. And uh, just top to bottom, I think it's a ton of fun. It's not incredibly difficult. I was able to finish that game and uh, have a blast doing it. It is is really worth playing. Uh, Great level design, really cool graphical um, techniques like graphical uh, stuff that they were doing on the Genesis, like reflections, uh, and even things where there would be like uh, 
almost like a, a break. It looked like your monitor was broken, uh, whether it be a split down the middle and you would be warping from side to side. If you want to think of like the separation in space between your DS, if you were playing like Contra 4 and you're jumping between those two parts. So it kind of added a little bit of uh, added difficulty, but uh, just really fantastic stuff. I really recommend checking out Castlevania Bloodlines. The, the cart for the Genesis isn't too crazy. You can get it for under like 30 bucks, 25 bucks. And uh, if you want... I believe it is up available on the Wii Virtual Console, but not the Wii U Virtual Console. So um, you can go on there and, and grab it. It is uh, just a really fantastic game. And that was probably the one out of everything that we played this year that came out of nowhere and just surprised the crap out of me how much I enjoyed it. And it is a game that I still uh, have gone back to a couple times over these last couple months since we did the episode. And uh, well worth playing. It is a fantastic game that should not be missed just because it is on the Sega Genesis and not on a a Nintendo or Sony platform. Just really, really great stuff. Um, And I think that was just me and Kurt, I think that was on that. But uh, Greg, obviously, I don't know if you have anything to say since you're kind of the uh, the Sega dude. When do I ever have anything to say about a Sega game? <laughs> 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 no, you you put it perfectly. It's a it's a great game, and it's it's kind of fun in a way that it was uh, ignored, uh, largely ignored back in the day, because now a bunch of people are like discovering it. Oh, it's awesome. Um, yeah, it's. It's loads of fun. And it has it has like a weird history too where um or I guess a lot of the Konami games on the Genesis when they were re released, so they did like reprints, uh Majesco yeah. did mm-hmm. the did the re release and they put them in cardboard boxes uh yeah. and they made the carts in Mexico instead of Japan. So if you get a, a made in Mexico cart, you know it was the re release uh Majesco and also the uh uh, the, the cart label is way shittier. So, um, sorry about that. I didn't, I, we've been doing, doing really good, not swearing, but language, the kids can, can handle it today. So, uh, CJ, I don't know if there's anything you want to mention about bloodlines. I don't know if you put any time into that one. No, I bought the Majesco re-release. I think I still have it sealed. Nice. It was, it was like five bucks at Toys R Us or oh, something. God. It was on closeout. So, Oh, yeah. man, I wish I had money back then. Um, Josh, anything <laughs> you wanted to mention in terms of bloodlines? Uh, well, you know, I'm the story guy. I'm, uh, for whatever reason, I find myself obsessed with game narratives. And uh, bloodlines has a really cool story, if I recall. I messed around with it a little bit because I was originally going to be on that episode, and then Harbor was sick, and everything oh, uh, didn't work out. Yeah, so, but anyway, like, if you actually look at the lore or the, the background story, of that game, uh, you have like Dracula's niece, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, in the 20th century, so it's like in the early 1900s, like actually doing something that starts World War One, mm-hmm. um, which is just Great. nutty. I mean, that's just so crazy. There's I characters love that with rifles with World War One one rifles that are firing at you and stuff. Yeah, so they they really went kind of crazy with the Castlevania universe for this game compared to what you see in the other Castlevania games, and uh, I think it's worth playing just for that alone. They they also uh, with that story, it's worth noting Konami actually attempted to connect the Castlevania uh, that's right yeah. line with the actual um, Dracula yep. book, right? Like, hmm. yeah, if you I forget I forget that. which okay. character it is, but one of the characters in the game, one of the playable characters in the game is actually like the son of one of the secondary characters in the, in the actual book, Bram Stoker's book. Go, yeah, go back and listen. I think Kurt, Kurt Collada brought that one up uh, too. So um, again, just a, 
encyclopedia of Castlevania knowledge that guy is. So um, very thankful to have him on the uh, the line when I need to talk about Castlevania stuff. So uh, that is uh, where we're going to pause. We're actually going to come back and we have uh, you know a decent third segment where we're going to talk. I guess I should say a fourth segment. Um, I'm going to talk about how I have fallen back in love with my 3ds. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the new 3DS and the Sega 3D Classics. we got some news on that. And uh, now I want to talk to these guys about what they're going to be doing in 2015, uh, game-related and podcast and work-related, stuff like that. So um, stick around. i got some awesome, juicy... Like, if you have a 3DS or you're a portable gamer and you like good headphones and you hate the low volume, this is going to really be a big deal for you. So stick around. We'll be right back with that. mention is that I, I've, I've really given the 3ds a hard time in terms of the audio quality and the the volume output on that thing uh in the last couple years and um I'm, I'm a crazy person i don't i i like to have if i'm listening to a game like theater rhythm uh curtain call which is fantastic go pick it up it is great it's outstanding it's a ton of fun to play um you know, a game that is based on really high quality music or something like Link Between Worlds, you want to be able to power that uh, or put that out to, to really nice headphones and be able to power those headphones and uh, not have to mess with the slider on the 3DS. So uh, what I have in front of me is a uh, about a $28 piece of equipment that is made by a company called uh, FIO, that's F-I-I-O, and it is the E6 portable amplifier. And it's a little thing that is um, about the size of, maybe if you, if you sandwiched two 3DS carts together, it's about that size, maybe a little bit thicker. Um, but with this, you're actually able to amplify what you're getting out of your, your portable, whether it be a 3DS or anything uh, that has a headphone jack, and then it actually boosts that signal up so you can power um, a good pair of headphones. And for me, it's not even anything crazy. It's like Audio-Technica M50 uh, headphones or even like my Sony studio headphones that I like to get some good power. You'll, you'll know if you, if you go in an airplane, it can really sometimes get hard to hear your portables over the, the jet engines and stuff like that. Um, so this has been, uh, awesome. And I, I, I have a more expensive version of this that is more of like a, it's like a size of a pack of cigarettes or something like that. And, uh, 
it does not do a very good job with amplification. Uh, whereas this, which is much smaller and it's their cheaper model for, uh, like, like I said, like $28 on Amazon, it's even cheaper, I guess in Europe, people are saying on, on the thread that it was cheaper in Europe. But, um, with this, you get about 10 hours of amplification. You can even add two levels of bass boost to what you're listening to. Uh, so if you're a real bass head, you can, you can do that. But um, I've had this constantly hooked up to uh, the end of my headphones, and then it has like this little extra two inches of headphones that it connects this to uh, the headphone uh, jack of whatever you're listening to. And uh, it is fantastic. You don't even need to turn it up all the way. I leave my uh, my 3DS at about 75% volume, and I leave this at about 75% volume. And I did a little test run. I plugged my 3DS into the wall. I had a game playing and plugged this thing in, and I got um, a little bit over 10 hours. Hours. Like it runs for, uh, I guess like eight to 10 hours, but I got a little over 10 and, uh, it is absolutely fantastic. And it just completely, uh, rejuvenated my want to play 3ds games. Now that I just don't feel, it makes it feel less of, uh, less like a toy and more like a real piece of, uh, you know, consumer electronics that, that is able to deliver the sound quality that I want. Um, and it's not a sound like a hearing issue is literally just being able to power, um, you know, headphones that need a little bit extra behind them and not just like earbuds, something like that. So, uh, I just wanted to give people a heads up on that. Buy one immediately. Use it for your Vita, use it for your 3DS, um, use it for your Neo Geo Pocket Color. So sweet, sweet. Yeah. And you have quite the popular YouTube video for that. Yeah. And if you want, uh, just go to search for back in my play on YouTube. There's a video of it where I talk about it for like 10 more minutes. If you want to hear that, you can do it. Um, and then the other quick thing I want to talk about, is this little white thing that I got, um, the new 3ds from Japan. Um, I'm an idiot and I, I bought it just because I wanted to play the Sega 3d classics collection that they put out on a retail cart that, uh, let me pull that up in front of me too, uh, includes, Games like, oh man, it has so many great games. Space Harrier, Fantasy Zone, Outrun for the arcade. And it also has the Mega Drive, or I should say the Master System version in 3D of Outrun mm. on there too, which is kind of weird. Um, not very good though. Um, Bare Knuckles, Streets of Rage 1. Uh, I thought it was just Super Shinobi, so I thought it was going to be Revenge of Shinobi, but it's actually Shinobi 3 that's in the States. Uh, so mm-hmm. you're going to be playing Shinobi 3 on that. And Echo the Dolphin. I don't know why that's on there, but because it's a great game. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> do, do you really think that, dude? Go check out my YouTube channel. I'm I'm like one level away from beating that thing. Well, anyways, um, the the one thing Ouch. I want to say is that I was I was interested in checking out this hardware and checking out the the game itself because not all these 3D classics are available on the eShop in the states. Um, I actually had a little bit of a back and forth with the uh, Sega Twitter account a couple days ago and they have uh told us that these other games are going to like outrun um they're going to be coming to the eShop one per month starting i guess in January of this year or maybe in February so it's going to take a couple months to get these games to us but uh they eventually will be available and there will be no re- retail release uh of these games so if you're going to want to get them uh they're well worth picking up for $6 a piece on the eShop i know Greg you are super pumped for uh, for these to come out, but I guess it's still a bummer that we won't get a, a boxed copy. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer, but it's kind of cool because at least you get to buy them uh, a la carte if you want to. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you're misguided and don't like Echo, then you don't have to pay for Echo. 
Yeah, and, and you're right. For for uh, this actually turns out to be about the same price for the retail, or if you bought them all separately on the uh, the eShop in Japan, um, I believe they're like 580 yen in Japan. I, when I was looking at the shop the other day, so um, that's that. It, it's really great, and I just think uh, like Outrun runs at 60 frames per second in 3D, uh, kicks ass. It is amazing. Uh, Can't wait because of this little piece of hardware. Um, and the new 3DS is no joke. It kicks ass. It is awesome. Um, if you're thinking about getting a 3DS, do not buy one yet. So wait <laughs> until this thing comes out because there's a couple main things. First, the 3D is outstanding. It is, you never lose the 3D. Um, and even like the initial startup, like you'll, if you've have, had a 3DS in the past, you know, it does that thing where it's like, pump up the 3D so I can show you the 3D effect. It not only shows you that, but it actually shows you in a little picture and picture on the bottom. It shows you that it's following your face. So you can like move your head around and mm. it shows that the camera is actually following you um, to make sure that it is giving you the right 3D angle all the time, which uh, is really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just in terms of the, the hardware itself, I'm really falling on the side of getting the smaller version. Um because I, yeah, me too. It's it's the I think it's the right size. Um, playing with this, uh, playing DS games on it, and playing uh, the the Sega 3D Classic Collection. I even downloaded some demos uh, demos from the Japan or Japanese eShop. Um, it really feels like the perfect size. I don't feel like I have trouble reading anything on it. I don't uh, feel like I'm missing uh, any of the action. I don't feel like I need the bigger screen. And the build quality is outstanding. It feels fantastic in your hands. Um, there, there is some weight to it. Uh, for sure, but the original 3DS also had some weight to it, uh, to that little ice cream sandwich uh, design where they packed all that stuff in there. Um, and finally, I just I really hope that we get the uh, the colored buttons because the the hardware itself, the white console, just looks outstanding. Um, I, I got a couple questions from Twitter uh, just in terms of like weird things about it. Like the stylus is not circle, circular at the end. Um, it has to fit in a very specific way into the peg. Uh, so that is a little bit weird. Um, also, it automatically adjusts, or I guess there's an option to turn this off, but it automatically adjusts the brightness on the fly like your iPhone would if you're outside in the sun. It uh, will bump up the brightness. Or if you're in a low light room, it will bump it back down to save uh, battery life. I found that kind of annoying, uh, but you can just turn it off. It's really not that big of a deal. And uh, the speakers on it are also outstanding. I was blown away by how loud and how clear the speakers were on this thing. They were so loud that I don't even want to turn them up all the way if I was playing like in my living room because I think it would be too loud for the people above me, um, <laughs> which blew me away. Uh, and this this little thing is just, um, like I said, it is an, it's an instant purchase. I really think you should try both out go to a store and try them both out before you buy because I would have never bought an original 3DS, the smaller version. I love my XL, but I uh, am like 90% sure I'm going to get the regular size uh, new 3DS when it hits here in the States. Well, let me ask you about this. Uh, so, because I want that one just from an aesthetic standpoint, I, I think it, I like smaller devices. I'm really into street passing. So, I mean, that makes sense to me that I would want the smaller one that's easier to put in my pocket. And I love the colored buttons. Hopefully they'll do that in the U.S. as well. They'll be purple but, or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that would be so bad. I actually would just avoid it. Uh, but anyway, well, I don't know. What if they did the convex and the concave buttons? That would be pretty cool. 
from a nostalgic point of view. These are actually well, I guess they're they, they are convex. They're not concave. Yeah. So the but the US SNES pad Correct. has both, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, the D pad placement though is the only thing that concerns me a little bit when I look at the smaller hmm. new 3DS because it's very much for those who haven't seen, it's basically on the bottom left corner of the system. Yeah, um, isn't that? Look, let me look at my XL. Well, and it's, I'm not saying it should be above the analog nub. What I'm trying to say is, do you, do your hands start to cramp when you play with the D-pad instead of with the uh, slider? Yeah, but my hands cramp when I play my XL, anyways, because I, okay, I, I, so the, I think just... the position is a little bit weird on the the XL. Um, the XL itself, like if you want to go between the circle pad and the D pad for, um, for me, like I said, I was playing a lot of DS games, so I was using the D pad a lot. Um, and I mean, like feeling it right now, it's, it's not too, too bad, but, um, I, I don't know. I guess you would kind of need to play around with it a little bit to kind of see yeah, what this, works best for you, but I hand size kind of thing. Yeah. And, and like, I, I'll be the first one to give Nintendo crap for the quality of the, the 3d, uh, the DS, the 3ds xl um but this thing it just feels like they they fixed so many problems that were wrong with it it just feels like a great piece it feels like almost like an apple product in terms of like the build quality where i think like the the xl like you know the hinges like when you bring the uh screen back and forth is super flimsy like it will wobble around this is not this thing is locked in place when you close it 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 feels just really good um I, I just I can't wait to give them my money when this thing huh. comes out in the states. It will be uh, a day one purchase, and um, like I said, I really think you should consider the smaller one, even if you're an XL person or uh, like an X 3ds XL owner right now. Um, I, I don't know; it's going to yeah. be really tough yeah. to pick between the two. I so, think I'm going to go with the smaller one as well. I do have a question though. Yeah. Uh, so the 3ds came out in 2011. It's 2015 now, like Nintendo releasing a new version of that hardware. How much life do you think is really left in the 3DS? Two years. You think two more years? You think uh, we'll make it to 2017 for this system? Xenoblade is late 2015. Yeah. If, if we're lucky, I, I'm guessing they're probably going to tr- like, who knows if the, the Wii U Xenoblade Chronicles is going to come out. And I, this is another super thing. I just bought, I got a, like a GameStop gift card for Christmas. So I went down to my GameStop. They just happen to have a brand new copy of Xenoblade. So I bought that for the Wii, but um, I kind of would want to play it on a portable. But if they could get that on here and uh, in a cut. That's already, out in, that's already out in Japan. Yeah. No, it's that not. It came out in the fall. I thought it did. No, it didn't. It came out with uh, the new 3DS, didn't it? It didn't? 100% sure it's not. Okay. 100%. um, It was announced during the same Nintendo Direct, though. Yeah, it was was announced, but I I was shopping hard for 3DS. I was looking at games Uh, to import uh, from Amazon, so um, it it is not out just yet. But uh, hopefully that is going to be something that comes out this year, and then there's going to be the issues of down-resing because I, I, I don't know. I don't. I really like, like I've talked to you guys all before. I love the 3DS library. It kicks ass. There's still tons yeah. of games that I want to play in that thing. Um, so I, I would I would buy one, but um, I like the rumors that there will be a new piece of Nintendo hardware that is home console portable in one, and you have some kind of you know docking station to hook it up uh, to your TV because even with Xenoblade on the new 3DS, it doesn't compete with what's on the PlayStation Vita 
even though that there's no games for that thing, I'll, I'll admit there's nothing new coming out for that retail wise. Um, I, I, you're right. <laughs> it is it's, kind it's of a indie, cause for concern. It's indie supported for sure. I mean, you look at the games that Nintendo has on the docket for 2015. You have, you know, Codename Steam, Xenoblade. Then, then, uh, what's that? then that's it. There's like, a, yeah, that is about it. So what else do we have? You're about to release like a new version, a new revision of hardware for a platform. You're only planning to release two more games for. I don't. Uh, well, yeah. did, did you ever get um, a DSi? Yeah, of course I did. But uh, I, I think this is even uh, further along in its lifespan, right? Yeah, probably. Than the DSi was. So yeah, I just got to wonder about, uh, you know, what's in the future for the 3DS. I'm, I'm super excited about the new 3DS also mm-hmm. for for the reasons you state, you know, the, that it's better all around. But uh, I just wonder how much life that that platform has left in it. CJ, I think that's a really valid concern. I do. And, you know, even as a big Nintendo fan, I remember getting the DSi. It came out, if I remember correctly, April of 2009, uh, somewhere right around then. And I didn't really, that was sort of after the heyday of major releases for the DS. Mm. Right, uh, you know, we got a Shantae game for specifically for DSi, and that was with the launch of the um, DSi shop or whatever they were calling it at the time. But um, wasn't that uh, new? Didn't New Super Mario Brothers come out with with the DSi? Maybe they did. Like maybe that was the DS Lite. Yeah, yeah. Had it have been the Lite because that thing sold like those numbers that came out today that sold like thirty million copies. Yeah, yeah. Like, holy crap! I cannot believe that game sold thirty million copies. That, well, we got you know, Majora's Mask coming out. You know, uh, Majora's Mask is going to be great for the mm-hmm. 3DS. But uh, you know, what yeah. else you got? There's really three big games from Nintendo, and you can never really put any uh, hope into third party uh, third parties to, mm-hmm. to put anything out. I will say, you know, it's not been a bad year for their eShop either. Uh, with the the stuff that they've had, and I'm, I haven't, I still haven't opened it yet. Sorry, Brian, but like Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, um, and so good. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so good. I know, and uh, all the others like they've been getting um, really good support from from Way Forward, and uh, like we mentioned with uh, Renegade Kid. Um, so they definitely have some some good support from independent developers. So that makes me somewhat excited, but you're right. I, I would just be buying this piece of hardware because it's better than the hardware that they had before it, and it's, there's no really justification for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully you've got Nintendo. If Nintendo releases the new 3DS in the U.S. in March, then maybe we'll we'll know like a little bit more um, about what's coming in the future for the platform by then. There's probably going to be a few Nintendo Directs between now and then, I'd have to think. So do we think this is the reason that they held it back so long in the United States? I mean, it's, Jan- it's early January right now, and we still don't know the release date. So was it just an issue of we can't release this thing at Christmas time with no major software release? Or what? We're just, we need to clear out stock of the, ex- of the existing 3DS? Yeah, there they, there were some really great deals. Um, like the the two DSs are now at ninety nine bucks, which is awesome. Uh, which is good. The three DS XLs are still at one hundred ninety nine dollars, but there were some Black Friday deals for one fifty. Um, and the, the I think the the big thing is is going to be the the pricing structure for this thing when it comes out in 
like you oh, sorry, I'm getting text messages in like three months. So, um, if in Japan right now, it's a hundred, uh, it's about a hundred and fifty ish dollars for the uh, smaller version. Uh, with a conversion, it's about uh, sixteen thousand yen. Um, and with a 3ds or with the LL being uh, twenty dollars more expensive. So if we could do like one sixty nine and one forty nine. I don't know, man. I'd probably spend 149 bucks. Yeah, I would. My my theory on why they wouldn't release that this this past Christmas is because the Wii U actually had a pretty strong software library. The end of last, the end of 2014, and why why take away from that? You know, why why get people to spend money on new DS hardware when they still need people to spend money on Wii U hardware? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, much bigger need in the United States than it was in Japan. Yeah. So I agree. it's it's a weird CJ. Yeah, you got me really concerned now um, <laughs> because because I, I I think that I don't know. Like, I, well, I, let me just say, you know, it, it's not like I'm not going to buy it. I have a redesigned Super Nintendo. Also, like, I'll I'll buy late late stage hardware. That's no problem. Mm-hmm. But that I think that's just more a factor of the type of gamer I am and you are, et cetera. Yeah. But uh, what about new people coming in? Is it going to be a play merely for catalog titles, or does this platform have a future? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, long term, it seems like with all the quotes they keep putting out there, they're going to go to a unified hardware structure, kind of like our our software um, operating system, like iOS, basically, in which the console can play games at a certain resolution, but the same apps or games would then run on like whatever their new handheld is. It seems like they really want to get into doing that as soon as possible. It'd be be smart. Um, I just just really hope that I, I would say that I, I stayed up and I was really stupid. I was up in like 3.30 in the morning for that Nintendo Direct in Japan. And um, I guess the thing that really did bum me out is that, uh, A, the, the battery life is no better on this thing. It's about, it was about I think it's like 15% better than hmm. what you had on the XL and the original. Um, like that original console, like you said, CJ, that thing's like four years old. Um and they decided to put in a faster processor, the eye tracking for 3D, um, and more powerful speakers. And then you still are getting like maybe five hours of battery life out of it if you have medium brightness. 3D is not jacked up all the way uh, and stuff like that. That is what I would still like to see is uh, like a newer version of, of, of a, a 3DS. And that's like dumb. Like I have two DS lights because of how awesome the DS light is. The thing lasts for like a thousand hours at full brightness and it's built like a tank. Um, I'm hoping that something like this new 3DS could have been like, but um, for what it is, I, I'll probably take it. Will other people pick it up? Um, if it's the only thing on the market and their kid still wants to play 3DS games, I guess they'll have to. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense, especially if they can do something cool with the faceplates. That could really be a thing. I mean, people love iPhone and Android phone cases in the U.S., so, I mean, that I could go over well here. I don't know. Well, I mean, like, Nokia cell phones are 10 years ago. They're 15 years ago. Like, I don't know if the faceplates are going to pick up here like they did in Japan. Um, you never know. I mean, I, Amiibo certainly yes. picked up. Yeah, you're yes. right. Yeah, yes. No, Josh, you're the only person that bought them. Okay, but listen to this. That's the that's the killer app that we haven't discussed yet with this new 3ds. Is that the bottom touch screen um, is the NFC reader, so you don't have to have that little USB dongle thing. You can just put your glorious amiibo right on the screen. Oh, that's true. No, one's, boom. no one's the thing is no one's buying those Man. to use in their games. They're using them to put. They're on your wall, dude. They're on your shelf. 
it's a it's a great way to bond with your daughter. No, that, that and I agree. And don't need to do that at no, a time like this. Yeah, but no one is going to like, oh, man, I got to make sure I bring my backpack with my 15 Amiibos on my trip so I can, like, put on my Pikachu <laughs> yeah. to my, my portal. Like, yeah. No, I don't that think doesn't so. Happen. Well, you know, First you know, of all, you're not going to be putting them in a backpack. You're going to be putting them in a specially made Nintendo custom, manufactured Amiibo <laughs> carrier. My club Nintendo Amiibo yeah. carrying device. Get with it. I have 2,000 coins in my Club Nintendo account right now. Yeah, I have a little over 1,000 myself. I'm, I don't want to get screwed like I did with the – well, like I did. But I, I didn't have the points for the Luigi's Mansion statue, which still irritates me to this day. Yes. I think it's so I'm, I'm hanging on to these things now. <laughs> um, okay. that's. Uh, let me see if I got all the questions. Uh, some other questions about the, the new 3DS. Uh, how are the shoulder buttons – I don't really know because I haven't messed around. Basically, you have ZL and ZR are built right inside. I mean, look, it's, it's, they're built right inside. So you can kind of hit them with the top of your finger with like your next, I guess your next joint down could be holding the uh, the other trigger. So it actually, it'd be fine. And I think the nub feels fine. Like the nub for the second stick feels good. It's It's like everyone else said, it's a ThinkPad nub. It feels exactly like that. Um, and are there any import games that you could pick up? Um, all the great games that came out on the 3DS, they came to the States, um, except for the Sega game. That's the only reason why I bought it. Um, does it improve frame rate on older 3DS games? I don't know. I don't, I don't think it does. I don't think it's going to affect anything that happens with the older games, only games that are built specifically to take advantage of the hardware itself. Um, will be able to take advantage of the hardware. Um, and in an interview, they did allude to Majora's Mask running a little bit better. Oh, they did? Yes, they alluded to it. I mean, so perhaps it was a translation issue or something along the lines, oh, but that well, was, it was referenced that was it should looking, be a little better. On, on the side of this thing, there's this little red box. This must be a 4-meg RAM cart. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that went over pretty well, I think. We yeah. were all just, like, stunned at at it. Play Donkey Kong Country 64. Um, all right, so let's see. Let's let's start wrapping this thing up. Right? And the other thing is, uh, I set myself a budget. Um, I'm going to try to only play games that I already own right now for 2015. I pre-ordered Majora's Mask through Newegg.com with a $10 coupon, so I got that thing for like 26 bucks. So um, that is the one purchase that I have made for this year. Um, and also I've, I've given myself, um, a $500 budget for all of 2015, which for me is like not so. Um, so in March, when you announce you've blown through that budget, I can't wait. <laughs> no, no, I won't because I have, like I was telling you guys before the show, I'm playing through bravely default on 3ds right now, which is outstanding. Um, I just finished Kirby triple deluxe, which if I was making my game of the year, like I was talking to you guys last week, that would probably be like my number four. Like that game is <laughs> unbelievable. Another thing, if you own a 3ds play that game, the last two worlds of Kirby triple deluxe are like uh, Super Mario Gal- like Super Mario 3D World levels mm-hmm. of like the last two worlds that they have in there. Um, awesome music in the second to last world too. Uh, soundtrack is available in uh, Amazon Japan if you want to pick that up. Um, so yeah. this five hundred dollar budget, Kevin. Uh, so is that are you going to live off of this entirely? Is that like what he's what he's telling food? you? He's going to pay five hundred dollars of interest on no, the no, credit no. card. Uh, no, no, actually, I have no. I have no, my credit cards are all perfectly clean, by the way. Good um, man. But with, with what I have right now is I have 
I, I made a list. Let me look at my list. I have 16 unopened Nintendo DS games. I have eight unopened Nintendo 3DS games. I have 10 unopened PlayStation Vita games. I have six unopened PlayStation 3 games, including Into the Nexus. You guys, I know, are big fans of that game. Um, what else yeah. do I have? I have a bunch of like retro games that I brought back from Japan that I haven't really played through. So um, this is my, my goal is to start playing some of this stuff because these are good games like you know, Dragon Quest six and Dragon Quest nine, like those are good games. Um, Radio yeah. Historia is a good game. Um, Pokemon X is another game that I should probably at least give a shot at some point. And, uh, I just, I think it's like, we're like, we get really stupid when we have so many unopened games in our libraries. Like I just don't, I'm just not that I got to stop being that person. So I waste too much money on video games. That's what we do. Um, so yeah, I, I want you guys to talk for, for about what you have going on because I, I just I'm talking a lot. So uh, I want to ask you first, uh, CJ, do you have any like gaming resolutions? Do you have anything that you want to try to do in 2015, whether it be games that you've been that have been in your backlog for five, 10, 15 years or just anything that you that you want to do? Because you finished a ton of games in 2014. You kicked ass last year. I, I don't know. I 2013 I did. Okay. I don't know about 2014. <laughs> 2014, I don't think I did so well. Um, 2015, I think I'm going to try to get back into that uh, finishing games mode. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, set a goal to finish Mario Sunshine in 2015. Hmm. Hey, never uh, never played too much of that. I'd like to go back and do that. Uh, CJ, uh, well, okay. <laughs> Or maybe not. Maybe I should pick something else. <laughs> no, just like as a fellow <laughs> Nintendo enthusiast, and I, I completely respect your Nintendo love. You were doing it before I was, and you know, oh, you have like, interviewed Miyamoto and whatnot. But you, you what were you saying? Final fight, dude. You can't. You can't knock any other game. Like, but it's just <laughs> Mario doesn't need a gimmick. Like he doesn't need a, a, a jetpack water thing. You know, like Mario is just about great platforming, and so that game just kind of bums me out. I, I like the. I like the environmental subliminal messaging as well, an maybe, environmentalist maybe but. we can do an episode on that because my my that's my other tactic to get you know <laughs> listeners just to always be retronauts to the games <laughs> make sure we're, we're like we're probably going to be doing xbox 360 games next week so uh you never know we're going to be doing perfect dark zero coming up just look at their week. schedule and we'll do the episode a week before they do it no it's just yeah, uh zero. no we'll do the generation after um, <laughs> Beautiful. So, okay. so, good stuff. Also, Retronauts is back. Go subscribe and, and check them out. They're doing. They had a kick-ass to tell of you episode um, a couple weeks ago. Um, that is always in my my rotation. I'm obviously joking. So, uh, joking about <laughs> joking about it. That is an awesome episode. Uh, I don't know what's real anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, CJ, you were talking about Mario Sunshine. <sighs> yes. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll beat that. <laughs> Totally. That's a that's a that's a good one. Um, and finish more games. Yeah, you should uh, like I, yeah. one of the ways that you can help do that is you can support the Player One Podcast Patreon. And I know it's a little bit of a you know ad here, but um, you know if you reach one of their goals, they're going to bring back Game Club, um, so that will True. force CJ to finish games. That's right. So you can help mm-hmm. uh, support the production of that podcast where uh, the podcast quality has gone up. Unfortunately, um, I was a dumbass 
last time I was on and had uh, my audio get all messed up when I recorded it. But um, for for all the other episodes, uh, CJ has been going and doing extra editing to make sure the audio quality is as good as possible. Um, so make sure again if you if you like that show, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Uh, and if you do like it, you know help so support those guys to make sure that they can take the time to to bring you new episodes every single week. Um, so yeah, that would be that would be really cool. Greg, how about you? Do you have any any resolutions for 2015? Any goals for gaming wise? Um, I mean, I usually finish like 30 to 40 games a year, so I'm not really worried about that too much. But I'm trying to sort of pare down and focus a little bit, uh, playing like one game at a time, um, and kind of like the same as you. I, I haven't set myself a budget, but uh, this whole buying games and having them sit on the shelves. Uh, is for the dogs. It gets really it's, dumb. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Um, I've I've got a lot of money tied up into games I haven't played, so I'm gonna slow down on uh, purchasing. And I did a little bit of this in 2014. If a game doesn't grab me right away, I'm not giving it any more time than mm-hmm. than it takes for me to realize. Like, eh, back to the store. Let's get what I can for it and move on. Yeah, I should. One one of the the stipulations of my budget is that I can also add to that budget by selling any games that I have that would go back yeah, into fair. that pool. Um, because it is a, a thing. Like I like I said, I have all these 3ds games that if bravely default, like after five hours, if it doesn't grab me, I'll just sell it on eBay. Like especially Nintendo stuff, mention a lot. Like those Wii U games and 3ds games, though they hold their value. Like you can get full mm-hmm. price. You can get like seventy five dollars for Pikmin three on the Wii U right now. Uh, if because really. Those, yeah, the game was just short print. Huh, I didn't know that. Okay. So you can't find it anywhere. Um, hmm. Cool. Uh, so, Josh, what do you have coming up in 2015? Anything cool going on with you? I know you've been doing some some game writing. Uh, so any other projects coming up? Uh, yeah, so things related to video gaming. I am So my writing thing is called Bonus Star. I put the word consulting there. Maybe I should take it off. I think it scares people a little bit. Uh, you know, the, the idea of consulting sort of an office space kind of vibe. You know, a consultant comes in and ruins everything. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem. But anyway, what's up? Bob Hillier. Yeah, uh, me and the Bobs will come in and um, scare you half to death or something. But anyway, we won't let you wear your Hawaiian shirt on Friday. Uh, okay, I'm getting really off the rails here. I'm going to be launching a podcast for Bonus Star and that'll be focused strictly on game narratives because I think that it's something that we need to address more in the medium of video games and when thinking about video game design. And we've had a, a lot of interesting examples over the last few years of games that have been pushing that forward. We have the Walking Dead games from Telltale and uh, stuff like Gone Home and various other games that are doing some pretty interesting stuff. The Bioshock series for interesting, whether you love or hate the gameplay, I could understand how you would hate it. Um, definitely doing some interesting what? stuff from a narrative why standpoint. Would you, why would you, those, those games are fantastic. Um, well, I, people talk about things like digging hot dogs out of the trash. Yeah, and- it's a video game. I know, but like where it does sort of break. It's a not realistic. Bit, though, it's the like they, they don't really turkey. have. Yeah, they don't have guys dressed up with you know drills on their arms either. Well, you know, but like Sunset Overdrive is a game that I love a lot, and I could see digging hot dogs out of the trash in that game because of the tone of the game. But I do see where people. I love the Bioshock series, though. It's not on trial here with me. I think okay? we should shut down all video game forums. 
Yeah. <laughs> Shut them okay, all down. Well, that's my, I'm going to hack. No, I don't need to say that. Actually, that's sort of a scary thing right now with the, what are they called? The don't, lizard don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. Um, so anyway, that stuff's happening right now. Anyway, anyway, my podcast, I, I have a few guests already lined up and uh, mainly developers, but also some people you might know, some people I might be talking to right now will also appear. We will be talking about specific games, what went into the story design, um, why they love those stories, so what they might have done differently, and then their overall favorite narrative. So um, that could be a film, it could be a book, whatever, and how that has influenced them in some way um, in terms of the work that they do or the kind of stuff that they play. Uh, so I, I hope to move that medium forward a little bit. We'll see what happens. Yeah, there's some really great stuff that were announced at um, I think the the Game Awards show that that have a really good, interesting takes. Uh, the people that are making Gone Home, their their new game, and uh, the game that Adam Orthy, the Xbox deal with it guy, uh, is working on a really cool uh, space game. Yeah, that Straight looks game. fascinating. Adrift, adrift. There you go. Um, so yeah, games are going to be all right. I think they're going to be okay next year um, or this year. Now that we're in 2015, I hope so. Uh, yeah, I mean, another reason why I'm doing this, I'm, I'm looking forward to very few games this year, very few big releases. Like I, I'm kind of out of the the AAA side of things and looking more towards you know the new Zelda is going to be definitely on my list. Um, like the new like the Wii U has a kick-ass lineup this year, um, and even if it goes out this year, it's going out with one hell of a bang. Um, so, you know, props to Nintendo for putting the, the work into that. But um, also the, the Vita and other, you know, portable devices and digital download services have just incredible independent games that are coming out on everything. Sony is kicking ass with that and Xbox is, is stepping it up with that, too. So everyone is uh, everyone's on board for a great year in 2015. But uh, that is where we're going to to end this super huge two hour episode to wrap up uh, 2014 for back in my play uh, again like I mentioned before uh, you guys have been fantastic for hanging out with us uh, for these last 18 plus months and for sharing your stories whether it be on Twitter or sending me emails through the, the website at backinmyplay.com um, but going into 2015 let's really make sure that we can keep this thing going strong by doing things like you know grabbing uh, uh, t-shirts or submitting reviews on iTunes, subscribing on there, spreading the word on Twitter, whether whether it's like a retweet, you know, telling your friends that like games about the show, or uh, even just, you know, throwing it on Facebook, participating on NeoGAF if you're on there in our uh, official thread. And, uh, you know, all those little things that you can do to support not only, you know, back in my play, but also the Player One podcast and also, you know, what Josh is going to be doing too. So like I said before, if you enjoy what we're doing, you know, don't be afraid. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate if you if you do show that support, whether it be a tweet to us about us, about the show uh, through Patreon to support the show uh, with your financial support or uh, through iTunes, subscribing on there and submitting you now positive articulate reviews uh, really do mean a lot. So when you take that time to do that, um, it really uh, means a lot to to all of us. So uh, as we close out, 2014 again thank you the audience uh cj thank you for coming on so many times to, to talk about old games of course thanks for uh having me and uh greg yeah thanks for for coming on talking about genesis games and sometimes uh metal storm yeah no problem i love i love doing it 
<laughs> Allegedly talking about Metal Storm. Yeah, we'll yeah, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to go to the tape on that one. We'll fact, we'll fact check that. I'm still reserving my spot in the inevitable Act Razor episode. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's another thing. I I don't have every game, so when people say can you do Act Razor or something like that, uh, that is going to have to wait until I can fit it into my game budget. Um, we did have someone who sent in um, the name is blanking on me. I'm so sorry, but sent in Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, so that is going to be coming up with uh, Blake Harris is going to be coming on to to nice. do Toe awesome. Jam and Earl because that is his favorite game of all time. Uh, and I'm going to have to. I've never played that game, so I'm going to have to actually put that thing in my Genesis and give it a shot. You but. need to find someone to play that with. Mm-hmm. All right, I, That's I will. The only way to play that I game is multiplayer. I will. Um, and then, uh, of course, Josh, thank you for, for taking the time to, to jump on here. We've been having a pretty good run so far, and it's cool to see you know the other stuff that you're doing outside getting into the game industry itself. Yeah, well, this has all been incredible, and uh, I'm glad that I grew up playing video games and got to be a part of Back in My Play from the beginning. Yeah, and, and again, just... Uh, the audience out there, I want you to keep it positive. This show is always going to be positive, and I hope you enjoy it when you come to see that. There will be criticism when games do things wrong, when companies do things wrong, but uh, I do this podcast because I enjoy doing it, and hopefully you only listen to it because you enjoy listening to it. That's how things should go. So thank you so much. I'm going to leave you with some more fantastic music from the games of our past, and I hope you join us in 2015 as the show continues to grow. There's going to be more interviews, more games to revisit and replay and discover for the first time. We'll see you next time.